When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello. And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on messy summer potlucks, hyphenated names on address labels, shared office space scents, and traveling while potty training. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, we look at what to do when someone asks to attend the wedding. Plus, your most excellent feedback etiquette salute and a postscript segment on stealing thunder at someone else's wedding. All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. And Dan... Back from a little break? A little break. Barely a break. Not really a break, to be honest. You worked, like, through most of it. A break from the show. A break from the show. That's right. That's right. Are you ready to share why? Our astute listeners can probably guess that there is a new arrival in the Post-Senning family. Aria Shakun, Emily Senning, joined the world on June 18th, and we were just delighted to meet her. She's tiny and cute, and I got to meet her on Sunday, and it was so great. <laughs> it was good to see you. It was good to see you out of the office and in my uh, home House. abode. I know, right? I was actually coming up on a Sunday to do some Emily Post work. We have a, a booth that we're trying to put together for a trade show that we have coming up, and... Um, it was perfect timing because I looked at your meal train calendar, which your mom had sent to me. And sure enough, you guys didn't have anyone starting until July 1st, and it was the 30th. So I said, aha, I know what I can do when I come up for this business errand. And it was awesome. We brought up potato garlic soup and some fresh greens from the CSA and other salad stuff. And we had an awesome little dinner, and I got to meet Aria. It was delicious. <laughs> and I was so happy to put a fresh new baby in your arms (laughs) (laughs) that was really fun you were like here hold her i was like wait the the hand washing everything nope second kid second kid just hold the baby (laughs) it was great (laughs) and for those of you that are curious mom is doing very well she's in that recovery period where she is spending a lot of time with aria in her arms and it's actually very nice for her to have people stop by to Hold the baby and just give her a moment to enjoy some delicious <laughs> cream of potato soup with a heavy dose of garlic, which Anisha has now declared is her favorite soup. My favorite part was that you told me yesterday she woke up in the morning asking for the soup for breakfast, and that is a win for any home chef. <laughs> okay, so Anisha gained some weight. No, her... she's tiny. I mean, I know kids do this because they're growing kids, but yeah. <laughs> I know because I go to pick her up regularly and she stayed with her grandparents while we were in the hospital for a couple of days. Pooja's parents came and stayed at our house and have been awesome. And I should take this moment to thank the entire Gupta family who have really just stepped up in some incredible ways and made our life as second time new parents so much easier. And her grandmother delights in feeding Anisha as much as she delights in feeding her own daughter and (laughs) son-in-law. I could feel the difference. After three days, I went to pick her up. I said, whoa. You're a bigger kid. You're a bigger kid. (laughs) She's going to get used to all the really good food. And it's going to continue because your meal train has only just started. So you guys must have people stopping by like every night. Do most people stay for dinner or do they just drop off food and leave? What's the deal? They do. It's so much fun. People tend to take that as an opportunity to visit for a minute and meet Aria, which is really sweet. I was a little hesitant about the meal train. I just never I just never done it before. Okay. I don't like asking anybody for help. It <laughs> makes me feel so awkward and uncomfortable. And I was really happy that my mother 
took it on and it has worked out really well. We asked for people to do it just a couple nights a week precisely mm-hmm. because people do tend to bring a bunch of food. They and bring more than s- one night's worth. Yeah. Just like you did, people tend to. And it stacks up in the fridge, which is awesome. But it also stacks up in the fridge and you've got baby bottles and all kinds of things you're trying to deal with. Yeah. So a couple visits a week works out really nicely, at least so far it has. Do you as a parent feel obligated to invite them to join you and stay for dinner? Do you ever feel like if it like if it wasn't a good time, let's say Nishi was having a meltdown and Pooj was exhausted. Would you feel comfortable letting someone know, hey, tonight's just not a great night. It's kind of chaotic around here. I think I would. Yeah. So far, it hasn't been the case. I was going to say, I can't really picture you doing it because you're very like, stay, enjoy, be with us. But I, I was curious if you ever if you felt like you could kind of put up that barrier if you needed to. I think it wouldn't be too tough, mostly because the people who've signed up for Meal Train are some of our closest friends and family. Yeah. They tend to be a pretty understanding and easy to work with group. I think that's a really good point about meal trains is that it, do, sending it out to just the closest people who you really could have around at any moment during this kind of hectic time is probably a good idea. So far, so good. So far, so good. Hey, we we got some more food surprise that came this morning, and that was Chris's wife, Betsy, who makes what I deem the best blueberry muffins on the planet. She sent a platter of blueberry muffins to us, and Chris and I have each already eaten two this morning. Dan, Dan has one sitting in front of him. We know we can't eat on the mic, but we just need to, to recognize the fact that there's literally a platter of fresh-baked, still slightly warm from the oven muffins. And sitting here at the mic with us today. I saw them and said, okay, Chris, I'm going to check you off the meal train. And yeah. Lizzie said, you think you're taking all these like, home? I was like, no, I grabbed the platter. I was like, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> no, of course we want to share. But these are truly a delight. So a big thank you to Betsy as well. I'm sure Pooja and Anisha are going to love these. I can't wait to share. Well, let's share some etiquette advice with our Wait, listeners. wait, wait. We have one more piece of unfinished business. I want to thank Peter Post so much for stepping in last week. It was so much fun to listen to the two of you do the (laughs) podcast together, and I couldn't appreciate his willingness to step in anymore. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Peter Post. Thank you for that. I had so much fun working with him again, and it was was a delight doing that Postscript segment. That was one of my favorite Postscript segments of the year. (laughs) Let's get to it. Awesome. Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. And if you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your social media post so that we know you want your question on the show. And sustaining members, remember to put sustaining member in your message. We'll answer your question on the sustaining member site where you can access an ads-free version of the show and all your bonus questions. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Our first question is about a messy summer potluck. Hello, Awesome Etiquette Podcast. My husband and I host an annual backyard barbecue and party every September. We provide the main food, and guests end up bringing sides, desserts, and drinks to share. However, last year, with 20-plus people, the food situation became unmanageable, with too many dishes, fruit flies making their way indoors, and me constantly trying to make more room whenever another guest brought in a fruit salad. For a casual summer party like this, how should we handle the food? With that many guests, the cost for providing food for everyone may be higher than we want to spend, but I don't want it to turn into another messy potluck. Party food etiquette advice? Thanks for your great work, 
You all rock. Shine on, Ashley. Oh, I like shine on. Me I too. wish I wish we still had access to music that we didn't have to pay for because that would be a great email one, closing. right? That would be a great one. I like it. I say th- there's a couple different ways that you can manage this. First of all, definitely when you're sending out the invite, letting folks know the size portion of something they need to bring or really divvying things up into smaller portions and saying, like, we really only need three different people to bring one bag of chips each, and that'll cover the 20 people that are coming to the party. I think spelling it out clearly that because there's so many folks wanting to contribute, everyone can contribute much less. They don't have to bring three bags of chips to feel like they're making an appropriate-sized contribution. You could have five people each bringing one six-pack of beer or soda or seltzer, and that can actually make enough for the rest of the party. Okay, maybe my math is a little off there, but you get what I'm trying to say. You can also scale back on who you ask to do things. You might kind of have a core group that you decide to turn to first and then invite others to do things like jobs or bring paper goods. Say, you know, like, we've got the food covered, but we're still looking for people to volunteer for napkins, um, you know, I hate to say it, plasticware, but whatever it is that's going to help the party in that way. Lawn games? Lawn games? Set up and take down? I think that those kinds of things are really okay and appropriate to ask. And in in either an email notice or when you're calling people, getting that word out that the food is really covered. Please don't feel that nagging voice in your head saying, you've got to bring something more. We're really all set. (laughs) It's important. Would you ask people to check with you or let you know what they're planning to bring so that you could extend that conversation just a little bit, have an idea oh, yeah. what it is? I mean, I was figuring that was already a part of the conversation. If it, if, Ashley, if it isn't already a part of the conversation, definitely make it a part of the conversation. Having even a list of foods that you're hoping to achieve, you know, whether it's categories like desserts, side dishes, um, you know, uh, snacks and mains or whatever. It sounds like you guys take care of the mains. But you can have people sign up for what they're good at in those departments, but you definitely want to get on people and ask them what they are bringing. And it's okay as the host for you to be calling up these friends and saying, hey, I wanted to double check with you about what you're bringing so that I can make sure we don't have tons of pasta salad and no desserts. Things like that are fine. People are really going to understand. They know what it's like to have to host a 20-person party. I know we've got our little sub list that are the people we can make special requests of. Yes. If we've got a couple fruit salads, I can turn to my mother and say, how about a potato salad or a dessert? Yeah, they're like your filler filler friends, I feel like. They're the ones who you can ask to do anything. And there are other friends who make a particular item that you're really going to want to lean on. Maybe someone makes a great barbecue sauce and you say, boy, I'd really love you to bring the sauce for the barbecue because that would be great. Or we always did in our family a watermelon whale where the watermelon gets carved to look like a whale. A little like spout coming out is really cute. Yeah. But whatever it is, definitely lean lean on your circle that way. I'm the one who always is hesitant to ask for help, as I mentioned in the intro. (laughs) The other thought I had is that you say to yourself, I'm going to take this on myself this year and just see how it goes and think big, keep it simple, paint with some broad strokes so you keep your cost down, but plan accordingly so that you can host something that you really feel comfortable managing. It's always another option. And especially when you are fully in control of your budget, you you can find ways to to make it work for a crowd that large. Any final thoughts, Dee? Keep smiling. No, that always helps. You always want to make sure that those emails, text messages, and phone calls hear a smile on the other end. Shine on, Ashley, and good luck with the planning. But now everything is ready. And we can be certain that each guest will be fully aware, not only of the food, but of the attractiveness and convenience of the table arrangement. Our next question is titled, Label Conundrum. I recently got married and changed my last name from Ryan to Ryan-Isaacson. I don't really care how people address me on cards, invites, etc., but I don't really know how to go about buying return labels for myself and my husband for letters going out. Writing, 
Ryan-Isaacson slash Isaacson on the return label seems a bit obnoxious. But if I just write Isaacson, it seems to send the message that I don't have a hyphenated name. Like I said, I'm Ryan-Isaacson at doctor's offices and the IRS, etc. Hmm. Smiley face, smiley face, smiley face. Warm regards, Laura. Laura, I... I started my show notes with a series of question marks because I thought this was a really good question. And it made me think a little bit, what are the options here? Yeah. And to sound ridiculously obvious and simple, I only see three options. Okay. One is the one that you stated in your question, something like Ryan Isaacson, Isaacson. And I don't think that's obnoxious. I think that is an option. That's something you can choose. You and your spouse have different last names. And it's... That's okay. Not inappropriate <laughs> to use both last names on your return addresses. That's one of the options. And I absolutely wouldn't call it obnoxious. I would keep that in my set of possibilities. The only two other options here, although I think Lizzie's going to come in with another option, <laughs> that I saw were to use Ryan Isaacson or Isaacson. And as far as making that choice, I think that's a question that I would suggest you have with your spouse. You could talk to them about how comfortable they are using one or the other in certain circumstances or situations. If you were replying to people that were more connected to you or primarily connected to you, I'm thinking about your family, Mm -hmm. maybe you use the Ryan Isaacson name. Maybe if you're talking to people that are more connected to your spouse, you're going to use the Isaacson label. I know that starts to get more complicated. Maybe you split it 50% of the time for (laughs) the people that you're equally connected to. But I think that's a decision that you and your partner can make. And I think it's a worthwhile discussion to have because it's not just you that's facing this. I I like the fact that we're recognizing that it's not just you on the label and that for your labels that are just for you, you absolutely could use Ryan-Isaacson. I vote for one of two options. Either use your first names because I did that for you guys when I created your stamp after you got married. It was Dan and Pooja. And my big question was, do you guys want to be Pooja and Dan or Dan and Pooja or Pooja and Daniel or Daniel and Pooja? I love Uh, this option. It was the one I hadn't considered. Totally right. And you could also just do your first initials. That's something else you could do. So that's one option. I personally like the option of Ryan hyphen Isaacson and then using the and symbol Isaacson or switch it around if you want your partner's name to come first instead. But I think that when you have these two separate last names that you just simply go through life using them both because that's the decision you've made as a couple. It represents the two of you. And just because you've got the hyphen in there and then the double use of Isaacson, it's to me, it's not a double use of Isaacson. Your name is Ryan hyphen Isaacson and your partner's name is Isaacson. And so let's just be who we are. Lizzie both, thank you for expanding on the options that I was looking at. I think that those are all viable. And so pretty much we're saying you have a lot of good options here. And there's really no right etiquette answer. This is ultimately going to be a choice that you get to make. And I think you can feel good about whatever choice you choose to go with. The mailman is friendly and helpful. Almost everybody likes him. For almost everybody likes to get mail. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Our next question is titled, Sense in a Shared Office Space. Hello. My sister called me this week with a tricky etiquette question. She just started a new job. Her office is in a community office building where there are individual offices with a common hallway that includes a shared bathroom for all the offices. My sister gets to work early and every day is greeted by the very kind cleaning lady in the hallway. The problem is the cleaning lady uses a super overpowering cleaning agent that is offensive to my sister. The cleaning lady is hired by the office building. If a complaint is to be made, it should be made by the individual office managers. My sister, being brand new, does not feel comfortable making such a petty complaint. She wishes she could blame it on a pregnancy because then the complaint would seem to have more weight, but alas, she is not pregnant, although she is trying to become pregnant and very well could be in the near future. 
My sister has also given thought to approaching the very kind cleaning lady directly, but feels this may be awkward or inappropriate or may cause tension in the pleasant relationship they currently have. I suggested an anonymous note, and my sister said absolutely not. She says she can live with it, which is what she is doing every day, but it would be nice if another, less potent cleaner could be used. Do you have any ideas for her? We always appreciate hearing your thoughts. Thanks. So this is one of those spaces where it sounds like, much like the building Emily Post is in, there's a lot of um, different offices owned by different people, and your sister works for someone in one of those offices. So it's not. It would be like back when when our parents owned the space, and and we had you know a bunch of employees, and if one of us was really bothered by a cleaning product being used in the bathrooms or in the hallways, so I can kind of feel where your sister doesn't want to directly speak to the staff. But I do think that, first of all, you don't need weight to deal with an issue like this. It doesn't have to be causing you migraines. You don't have to be pregnant. You don't have to be allergic. We do not need to make things up or feel like we are less than just because something like this is overpowering and bothering us. And there's no actual pain or danger that comes from it. This is really an okay thing to speak up about. I would suggest first talking to whomever it is that connects to the building's coordinator or the building's managerial staff so that, you know, just the same way one of our employees probably would have gone to my father or your mother and said, hey, is there any way we can talk to the person who does the custodial around here about such and such? And I think that's a perfectly fine thing to do. You can also always try to, to deal with it on your own, opening windows whenever possible. Is there a way to adjust the schedule so that you're coming in a little bit later? It's, I did notice that we're, we're dealing with someone who's coming in early. Maybe by the time other people are coming in for the start of the day, the smell has dissipated. If not, I do think you need to bring it up. I think this is okay to speak up about and just say, is there a different solution to this? I think it's both okay, and I liked the sample script that you inadvertently oh, did inserted. I, some? I didn't even notice it. <laughs> In thinking about how you would have talked to your father or the current owners of Emily Post, you said something like, I'm experiencing this. Is there something we can do about it? And you're asking the question. You're letting someone know that it's a problem for you. You're not being demanding. You're not threatening anybody. Yeah. Your tone sounded comfortable and at ease. And that's a big part of talking about these sorts of things and not having it feel like you're being overly complaining about it. At our building, it was the issue of trash cans in each individual stall in the ladies' restroom so that that was a convenience for, for the women who might need a trash can while using the stall. And that was something that one of the people at Union Street sort of spoke up about and petitioned and f figured out the right channels to go through. And then there were trash cans for everyone in the stalls. It was great. They're not going to know it's a problem unless you say something. Bingo. And I think you <laughs> let that be heard and see if there's – Something that someone who's in a position to address it can think of or can do to fix it. If it persists or if it's difficult for some reason, oh, no, we have oodles of this cleaner already purchased. And even if we were to change it, it's going to take a while or there is no response. Just the game of telephone doesn't work and it doesn't move through the channel the way that you would hope it would move through the channel. Or it moves through the channel and there's not a solution. You don't even hear about it. You can follow up. I would wait a couple days or a week before I would do something like that. And part of that follow-up could be a broadening of the conversation. I've tried opening a window or I've tried leaving my door ajar or closing my door. I brought in a little fan to see if it would help just to move oh, the air around me a little bit so that you're participating in that solution finding as you start to nudge a little harder on the people who are really in a position to to navigate that and make it happen. One other solution I thought about that might work is even if your schedule isn't flexible and I also want to mention that I don't think you have to be changing your schedule to get it fixed. Sure. Part of it might be that, oh, you could start cleaning at the other end of the hall so that your office gets hit later in the day or earlier in the morning, just so that it's not as fresh a clean at that moment that you show up there. It could be a fix that's as simple as something like that. And we want to try to be careful of not moving around someone else's schedule too much, but asking is perfectly okay. Would it be possible? You know, does it work within how you clean? 
for this particular cleaning agent to be used earlier in your shift as opposed to just before folks are coming in. But asking if it's possible is that way of of letting the other person say, no, it really isn't because this is the order that we clean in and this is the final thing that goes down. Or, oh, it absolutely is. We can just switch around the, the time or the place and that'll be easy. But yeah, I think you're right that asking about the possibilities and also coming up with some ideas for yourself uh, to be dealing with and taking care of yourself as best you can. Would you be able to work from home for the first two hours of the day if it was really that bad? You know, I mean, and, and there was no wiggle room on the custodial end. Go slow. Feel it out, but really don't be concerned about your standing. Yeah. You are someone that works in this space and that's all the standing you need to bring up a topic like this. Best of luck. I found out that if you're nice to people, they're usually nice to you, too. Well, the people in my office are different, and I'm simply not going to stand for it any longer. You're tired now, Barb. I know just how you feel. Let's talk about it again later on. It's no use, Ruth. Really, I've made up my mind. I'm going to start looking for a job tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Our next question is titled, Traveling Toddler in Potty Training. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. I'm totally kicking this to the second time new dad. (laughs) With the two and a half year old. Yeah. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. My family and I are flying to Kauai next week. Yay! My two and a half year old son and I will be sitting together in a window and middle seat. My husband and five year old son will be in another row near us. Our toddler is newly potty trained and will need to make a trip to the bathroom about every two hours on our five hour flight. So that's about two, maybe three trips at most. Would you please provide me with some sample language to inform our fellow passenger who will be seated in the aisle seat with us so that I can kindly explain that we will need to get up during the flight more than once. Additionally, our two-and-a-half-year-old will be wearing pull-up-style diapers in case of accidents. He will also have the window seat so as not to disturb the person in the aisle if he gets wiggly during the flight. I am a longtime listener along with our boys, and I am so grateful for the advice you give. I strive to use that advice in my daily life, and my husband and I are diligently training our boys to be considerate, respectful, and honest people. I am incredibly encouraged by the larger community of listeners whose goal is to treat others with consideration, respect, and honesty. Hopefully, we will get a fellow listener in the aisle seat. Sincerely, Amanda. That would be a treat, yeah? (laughs) It would. Amanda, I am similarly encouraged by the audience for this show. It really (laughs) is a... A comfort to hear so many people concerned with consideration, respect, and honesty. I am so sympathetic to your situation. (laughs) Bon courage, good work, traveling with a a two-and-a-half-year-old. It sounds like a fun vacation. I'm a little jealous. Also, good work on the potty training. We are right in the middle of that ourselves, Pooja and I and Anisha. And I am thinking about these things also. (laughs) As far as the particulars of your situation, I think that the forethought that you've put into this already gives me a really good indication that it's going to go smoothly. You already know about things like timing those bathroom breaks as best you can to get through things like the takeoff. You do that little preparatory mission to the potty if you can before you board the flight. Even just being aware of the fact that it's about every two hours, like just knowing that gives you so much to work with. That's not that many interruptions in a five-hour flight. It's really not. And a, a simple message that's proportionate in dosage to the level of disruption, which isn't much to that person who's going to be sitting in the aisle seat, is I think all that you need. You can approach it with a little good humor. Hey, we're all in this together. And I just wanted to give you a heads up that we're working on using the potty and there'll probably be a trip or two to the restroom before this flight is over. (laughs) My judgmental brain goes, oh, we are all in this together. Are we lucky me? (laughs) No, I'm kidding. That's my ungracious self talking there. I like to keep in mind that we will all be That passenger at some point, the one who's battling a cold and has a really runny nose or the one who happened to drink three lemonades right before the flight and (laughs) all of a sudden or hand in the air here, three coffees before the flight. Ah, this is 
we're getting the group from. <laughs> well, and and like your two and a half year old, I really like that window seat. So mm-hmm. I'm often the one who's got two people to navigate to make that trip, mm-hmm. and I am often impressed with actually how understanding people are because it is part of the infrastructure of travel and how it works. Some folks might not love that I'm going to start our sample script off with an apology. They don't like the the idea of apologizing for their child. But I do think what we are apologizing for is the repeated interruption. And I do that myself when I know I'm having a day where I seem to be, you know, needing to get up to use the lavatory more. Um, and so I say, I'm so sorry, but I, I've got to warn you, I probably will need to get up a couple times during the flight. I hope you're OK with that. And I, I just think that it's okay to make that kind of an apology. It doesn't have to come across as like uh, it's wrong that you're needing to get up for whatever reason it is, even if it's something like, you know, I have stiff legs. And so I actually do need to be moving around as much as possible when possible, you know, during the flight. Those types of things are okay. You're just simply trying to let someone know that you recognize you're about to have an impact on them that might be disruptive. So my sample language for this one was, I apologize, but I have a potty training toddler on my hands and we may be making a couple trips to the restroom during the flight. I'm hoping it's only two or three, but I wanted to give you fair warning in advance. Stop there. Just stop talking there. But you can also then say something along the lines of, also in case that there's, you know, an open seat that you might want to switch to, I would completely understand. And I think just it helps remind people like, oh, they have options or, oh, that really doesn't sound like a big deal. Two or three times up during a five-hour flight is really not a big deal. In thinking about sample scripts, I'm also thinking about magic words and magic words really are magic and they're magic in that hearing you use them will start to help your child internalize and, and use the same language. I'm sure you're working on that already. In that list of magic words, everyone's aware of please, thank you, you're welcome, which are really important. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Also magic words. I'm sorry, pardon me and excuse me. Yes. And that little pardon me as you move past someone or the pardon me that time that we talked about at the start of the flight, it's here. (laughs) If you could excuse us for just a second, we're going to head to the restroom. Trip number one underway. Pardon us. (laughs) Those magic words can transform situations and they can show appreciation and gratitude. They can acknowledge appreciation and gratitude. They can also take something that could be perceived as slightly rude and give you an opportunity to be polite in that moment. And that's a really magical thing. Dan and I have often returned from flights and when we ask, how did the flight go? Because we know that can the, the travel can often be what really tanks us for a week, especially Dan if he's coming home on a Sunday or if, you know, it's, it's a weekday and he's got to both get home and then get into the office or to do the podcast in the morning. When he comes into the office, it'll be a part of our catch up on how the trip went was how was the travel? How was your, how were your fellow travelers? And even when there's there's someone who did have, uh, you know, um, maybe it was food they were eating or a cough that they had or they had to get up a lot. I'm always amazed at how often Dan or myself will end up saying, but they were so nice about it. It really didn't bother me or, oh, they were so nice about it. I totally understood. You know, and it just that makes the big difference. We all both make these these little requests throughout our day and we also have them made of us. And boy, does it make such a difference when you're able to say, oh, but they were so nice about it. I really didn't mind. And that that's what makes the big difference. It's the person who's demanding and rude and pushy about it and just out for themselves that then you're like, gosh, it was a real pain in the neck. And it just Amanda, it just doesn't sound like you could ever be that type of person. (laughs) Amanda, good luck with the trip. We hope that you have a fantastic time. Aloha. It's a simple enough matter to give people you meet plenty of room to pass. Good manners again, and they put you in a good light. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On social media, we are at Emily Post Institute on Instagram, Awesome Etiquette on Facebook, and at Emily Post Inst on Twitter. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette in your post so that we know you want your question on the show. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today's feedback comes from Ray. Dear Dan and Lizzie, first, thank you so much for all you do to make our world a more lovely place. Listening to your podcast is one of the highlights of my week. I'm contacting you because I laughed so hard at your postscript on podcast number 250. (laughs) Oh, goodness. It was about being especially courteous to those you were closest to, including ourselves. Please understand, I wasn't laughing because I found the suggestions in any way wrong or unnecessary. As a matter of fact, as our son is soon to get married, we've reminded him about the importance of being considerate, respectful, and honest towards your spouse. And this is why I found the postscript humorous. Lizzie, you mentioned that one of the ways you're courteous to yourself is that you make your bed daily. I do. I laughed at that because not making the bed is one of the courtesies I do for my husband. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) While you consider it a joy to slip into a made bed at the end of the day, my husband considers having to unmake the bed an extra chore. So unless we know someone is coming over, our bed remains unmade. Thank you for the chuckle and the reminder that what seems discourteous to one person might just be the height of courtesy to another, the very reason communication is so important. Thanks again for filling my week with reminders of ways to treat others well. Warmly, Ray. Ray, thank you. That's delightful. And it's so true. What works for one is what not work, you know, is what doesn't work for another. And so communication is the key. So I've got to give Ray mad props here. For the unmade bed. Both for the unmade bed and I'm sensing someone who makes a bed so well that it's like a tight package. My mother takes such great pride in her hospital corners and that when she makes a bed, it's it's a really crisp, clean affair. Just so you know, things I did not know about my aunt Cindy Posenning because she is so casual and relaxed and likes her clutter. Like actually is, is one of those people quite like me who the mess is not the thing. I know where everything is. Let me live how I live, you know, and. I just don't think of her as a crisp, like, crisp woman. (laughs) Cindy Senning was also a nurse for many years and takes great pride in her hospital corners and making a bed just so. You could bounce a quarter on it. And (laughs) so, Ray, I so appreciate a bed that's made so that it would take some unpacking to even get into it. So that's the first thing I thought of. Okay, so I have to laugh because I I am a messy child. Like, I just always have been. And, you know, in kindergarten, we did, back when they did Christmas at schools, we had little Rudolph, like, construction paper triangles with hands for antlers. And on the inside, you wrote something that you were going to do to help out, you know, in your household. And I said, I'm going to make my bed every day. That didn't start happening until I was like in, I want to say until I was about 30. And I remember my sister telling me messy bed, messy head. And then cousin Pete had said the same thing. And so, and that it helped me through a time where my head was pretty messy. And it was a good way to just have one thing that was put together and comfortable. And for me, it was the thing associated with rest. So that's where it started from. And now I'm kind of oddly obsessive about it. Like my day feels a little off if my bed's not made. (laughs) Ray, great work communicating, communicating well and finding routines that really show consideration, respect and honesty in your personal and close personal relationship. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we're going to talk about not stealing thunder. This story came to us 
from Mary via Twitter, and she linked us to an article over at Slate. So this is one of those times where the excitement of a day can sometimes inspire people. And that inspiration needs to be well-placed, not ill-placed. And here it's very ill-placed. And we wanted to offer this up because it is wedding season. People are going to many, many events. And there are many people who uh, may wish to start their own wedding celebrations. And this is a great example of how not to do that. My husband and I started dating, got pregnant, had a child, moved in together, bought a house, and got a dog in that order. Our friends and family have asked us for years why we weren't married yet. We always pushed it off to build better lives. We've done really well for ourselves and finally reached a point where we could afford a huge blowout wedding to celebrate our lives with everyone we know and love. My husband's best friend, John, we'll call him, was the best man slash officiant. The setting was beautiful. Everyone seemed happy. Our families were overjoyed. My mom may have used the phrase hallelujah a few dozen times. The entire atmosphere felt moving. So moving, in fact, that John stopped mid-ceremony to propose to his longtime girlfriend, let's call her Jane, and reveal her pregnancy. I couldn't even hear the vows my husband wrote or the rest of the ceremony over the noise of Jane's happy sobs, her very surprised family who were also guests, and people seated nearby congratulating her. Even the videographer cut to her frequently during the ceremony, and you can't hear anything over the chatter. When John gave his toast, he apologized for being caught up in the moment and then proceeded to talk about he and Jane's future with nary a mention of us. During the reception, John and Jane became the primary focus of our guests. John even went out of his way to ask the band for a special dance for just him and Jane on the dance floor. I've never been an attention hog. And I wouldn't even have minded if he'd proposed after the ceremony. But weeks later, I am still seething. I am so shocked and angry that I kept asking myself if this is real life. My husband hasn't spoken to John since the wedding, and our mutual friends think what he did was rude, but that my husband should just get over it. My husband has joked that he'll resume his friendship when John and Jane give him a $40,000 check for their half of the wedding. Do you think John's behavior warrants the end of a long-term friendship, or are we angry over nothing? Wowza. Someone basically just hijacked your wedding. Mm-hmm. Like, that is what happened. They'd send him a bill. Is this a termination-level event? I think it warrants a conversation about how it's impacted you. I do. I think that we're at that level. And I think saying, John, I've got to talk to you. I was really hoping that after weeks after the event that this would have cooled off in my head. But during our wedding vows, you announce your own engagement and pregnancy. We literally have video that is all of you and not of us for a wedding that we threw for ourselves to celebrate the things that that we had come together for. It was so jarring. I I don't even know what to say. I'm still so upset about it. And yet I want to be happy for you for the things that are happening in your life. But you literally chose to deal with them on the main day of our wedding. You know, it was an $80,000 day for us that turned out to be all about you and Jane. You literally stole our wedding dance. I mean, I don't I don't know how to take that I, I don't know how to move forward with you as a friend right now. That's what I would say. That's totally what I would say. It, it sounds good to me. And sitting across from you, I'm wanting to apologize to you <laughs> sure. on behalf of this person. But it's also giving me some indication about what would make this a not termination level event for this relationship. An apology and a redo of the event like, I mean, you might not be able to redo, but that apology is a bare minimum. Yeah. And a I think bare minimum. I think if someone can't get to a point where they're seriously delivering that apology and trying to think of ways that they can work to make it better, then I think it starts to be more about the totality of their character than a particular mistake. And this was a huge and egregious mistake, but we will all make mistakes. Hopefully they won't be as huge and egregious, but 
This is multiple egregious mistakes. Literally in the middle of your wedding ceremony, he proposes to his pregnant girlfriend and announces her pregnancy. Give me a break. That's and like the, the toast rudest. and the dance. And the toast and the dance and the videographer. Videographer should give you your money back for that one. I don't mean to sound ungracious either. I mean, there are people for whom this could be really exciting and this could end up being embrace worthy. But this is not the case. The bride and groom were not happy about this. And if I did talk to John and, and the now fiance, I would definitely be saying things like, I don't want to take away from the fact that you guys are doing great things in your life and we are happy and excited for you. But you you took away from our biggest day to celebrate that. And that hurts. I'm actually hurt by that. It's important to say those things. I'm also going to do the heavy etiquette lifting here yeah, yeah. and try to imagine the other person's perspective as best I can. I don't think this is excusable behavior, but... Maybe that person is thinking we're all so close and this is so exciting and this is so good and we're all going to be friends forever and it's just like one big happy, joyous, everything is great and my enthusiasm runs away with me moment. Yes. Making that huge allowance to be part of the way that you would proceed with someone if you didn't want to just write them out of your life. If the things that right. put them in the position to be your best man, to be making that toast to begin with, are are important enough to you, I think you've got to carve that space out in your mind however hard it is. I think so. But I also – I appreciate that you started that with, you know, no matter what, this is a pretty egregious mistake because – no, I just – I can't get away from it, guys. I just can't get away from it. It's – it's it's literally not being considerate and aware of what's happening. And it's it's only focusing on the fact that your f- soon-to-be fiancé's family is sitting all around her. And it's only focusing on it from your perspective. And that's why I think the conversation is warranted for sure. And I know you're not saying the conversation isn't warranted. But it's why, you know, bring your most generous self to that conversation. But do not be afraid to stand up for how this hurts you. Because this was... This was an it sounds to be an $80,000 party that you threw for yourselves. And that is a huge commitment. And to have somebody just and and the sentimentality of it, too. This was during your wedding vows. This happens. Oh, my goodness. I'm just still in shock. I'm still in shock. So we're doing something we try to never do on this show. True. Which is look at a really bad example of something. We and make an effort to, death. <laughs> to, to end our shows on an etiquette salute that's a high note. We try to focus on the positive. But what I'm thinking about as we have this conversation is that it is sometimes illuminating and illustrative to look at the mistakes, the bad examples. And I'm thinking about mistakes were made. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is a great story for Mistakes Were Made. I didn't even think about that. Mistakes Were Made is the book that Kelly Williams Brown and I are writing for Audible as an Audible original. And it is um, a book of egregious social errors. And this is a very egregious social error. And I will have to track down Slate and see if I can I can use this story because it's a, it's a really good one. It's the kind of example that I was imagining when I first heard the the concept for that book. Absolutely. No, absolutely. So if you have egregious mistakes like this, please submit them to the Mistakes Were Made page on emilypost.com. We would love to hear them. We also want to hear them in extreme detail. Um, We've talked about how you might proceed with a conversation I really, I really highly advise you proceed with a conversation. I don't think you should just let this sit. I don't, I don't think your friends are right to tell you to just get over it. I think that, that this is okay to talk about. I would not seek a $40,000 check from this person, but I would seek an apology. And I would seek to convey that I was really hurt by this and that this really, really messed up the biggest moment that we were celebrating for ourselves. To all those out there. Word to the wise, do not propose or announce pregnancy or retirement or job promotion or that you won the lottery at someone else's event. You just don't do it. You save it for another time. It's not the time to be refocusing on yourself, no matter what your news is. The cardinal rule of all wedding guest etiquette is to keep the focus on the bride and groom. Enjoy the rest of the wedding season, everybody. And remember, if you're a good sport, everyone can enjoy the game better 
everyone will like you better. And what's most important, you'll feel better about yourself. Are you a good sport? We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today, we have David. Hi there, awesome etiquette team. Thanks again for such a great podcast. Hoping everything is well and happy and the dance family is a little bigger by now. Yay! I have an etiquette salute that goes with a recent subject, running, biking, driving. We live part-time in a small town which attracts many tourists. It's a pretty active community. Lots of dog walkers, runners, bikers, walkers. Also, there's some fast-moving traffic on the main roads, a mix of locals and tourists. I'm frequently so pleased at the safety shown by all manner of drivers, from large trucks to cyclists, while I'm out running. In fact, the other day, I was on a very narrow road, and I saw a truck ahead slow down and come to a stop. I glanced back and saw a car do exactly the same in the opposite direction. Wow. It was wonderful, so I sped myself as fast as I could to be out of their way. It was so incredibly nice of them. So cheers to the drivers of Calistoga, California. You're awesome. Thanks again, and have a fabulous holiday, David. I love hearing that. That has not been my experience on the bike path, so this gives me hope. Hope, 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 hope. Thank you, David. I needed this dose of good courtesy. And thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something. Please connect with us and share this show with family, friends, and coworkers, and on social media. You can send us questions, comments, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, you can reach us at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. That's Lizzie with an I-E. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. On Instagram, we are Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, and please consider leaving us a review. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and Bridget. Bridget.